Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. so much, by the way, for, uh, for coming out. Um, I really appreciate you guys supporting the teenagers here. We've been planning this for like a month, like every single Tuesday and Thursday. I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to take 15 to 20 minutes of our youth night and just kind of figure out where you want to help out and figure out where you want to be and reminding them and texting kids and all that kind of stuff. And it became a much bigger thing than I thought it would be. And then here we go. I've got 25 teenagers here. And it's, it's great. Like, there's like six kids in the yeah, it's great. So um, I'm super stoked about that, and thank you guys for coming out and uh, supporting them. Um, today, um, I decided for, our, for what I was going to share with, I thought I would kind of include you guys in into what we are learning together as a youth group. Um, this is, um, we did a sermon series, uh, well, sermon series, I, I don't call it that, but I guess it, gets, it was a sermon series. Um, we did six uh, Bible study talks uh, over the course of six weeks, of course. And we, we focused on a part of the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse four, verses 4 through 9. And that part of the Bible is called the Shema. Some of you might have heard of it, some of you might have not, but it's one of the most popular, most read parts of Scripture. Jesus directly quotes it. It is a big part of the Bible, and it's very important. And so the reason why we focused on the Shema is um, I decided... Well, um, youth is kind of ramping up. There's, there's, there's uh, lots of teenagers coming out, so I figured I kind of want to have like a, a goal set. Like I asked myself the question, um, a kid showing up in grade 6 and then going through grade 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, going through all seven years, what do I want them leaving youth with? What, what, what do I want them leaving grade 12 with the understanding of? And that was really important to me. And I kind of took a step back and looked at six or seven years instead of, you know, what I usually do is look, you know, the next week. <laughs> but so I kind of took that out for a second. And then I thought, I'm like, well, what, what am I responsible for? And um, what is my job? And I think my job is, and what I'm responsible for, is the spiritual development of students. And it comes down to that, pretty much that. And there's so much more than just that. Like, the spiritual development of students is more than just what you think it might be, as in, like, they get closer with God. I think spirituality is so much more than just thinking about becoming closer with God. It's actually so much more. It's, it's, it's the development of our entire everything about us as we figure out life together and we understand our relationship with God and draw closer to Him. And it's my job and my responsibility to kind of point out where students, where God is already showing up in students' lives and how, how, how to do that. And so, and then also to help them point out in other teenagers' lives where, where God is showing up in their lives and, and then that's us growing together spiritually. So I kind of took a step back from the spiritual development of students. I'm like, okay, well, what are the aspects of that? How do you spiritually develop a student? 
And so um, I was thinking about it, and um, there's, there's three kind of avenues you can go with the spiritual development of students. And I kind of was like, oh, okay, that, that's cool. I can, I can do that. There's three avenues. And the three avenues was um, uh, how to develop students, um, their bodies, how, how their bodies work in relationship with, with God, because body is actually really important. Um, another one was uh, how to develop their mind, their intellect. What does it mean to grow in intellect, to understand God more, to understand each other more? And then also, how do you grow your heart? How do you have um, empathy? And how do you, um, what do feelings and, and emotions have to do with this relationship with God? And so I'm like, well, there we go. My next three years, that's what I'm going to focus on. So one whole year, I'm going to focus on what it means to have a relationship with God with your heart. And another year, I'm going to focus on what it means to have a relationship with God intellectually. And another year, I'm going to focus on what it means to have a relationship with God, but with your body. What does that even mean? And I decided to choose the trickiest one first, because why not? And I chose body. So this whole year, we're focusing on what it means to have a body and what that means spiritually. And I'm learning a lot as I go through this, and I kind of was doing some research and figuring it out, and I, I came across this ancient prayer, this really ancient prayer, and it's called the Shema, and we read it earlier. And um, let me tell you, uh, we have spent the last five or six youth nights talking about the Shema. And uh, let me read it to you guys. It was already read by uh, Cam and Hunter. They did a great job. Um, but it says here, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So that first bit, we spent six weeks on. We talked about what it means, what, what the Shema is. What, what, what does Shema mean? This is, this is what the prayer is called, so we, we focused on that. Then we talked about what it means to love. So to love the Lord your God, so we focused on that for a bit. And then we talked about um, God. Who is God? So what, what does that even mean? How do you love God if you don't even know who God is? So we talked about what the Shema is. We talked about love, and we talked about God. And then another three weeks, we talked about what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then another week, we talked about soul. And then another week, we talked about strength. And I think that these all have direct correlation with how we treat our bodies. And so that's what I kind of want to go through with you guys today. We're going to focus on heart, soul, and strength. I didn't want to do six in one because that was just, I was kind of putting it together today and I'm like, that's too much. So I'm going to do three in one. We're going to do kind of, we're, I'm going to do some assuming here. And I'm sorry if I'm assuming. I'm going to assume you kind of have an idea of who God is. I'm going to assume you have a kind of an idea of who, um, what it means to love. But I will talk a little bit about the Shema and what, what that means. So I'll continue reading. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. So what I'm referring to is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this ancient prayer is found right in Deuteronomy, and it's the it's known as the Shema. And actually, um, Jewish people before before we uh, again Christianity developed from Judaism, and the Jewish people actually before Christ came read this part of Scripture every morning and every evening every day. They've read, and the Jewish people still are around today, and Jews read this part of scripture today, every morning and every evening. And it's part of our history and our culture, and it's been part of our lives for thousands of years. This scripture that I'm reading to you has been read every morning and every evening by a people group for 4,000 years. There is a weight, and there is a history to this. And when you read, and it says, tie these, symbol, tie these as symbols to your hands and bind them to your forehead. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This is important. So I decided, well, let's, let, let's, let's figure out what this means. What does, what does a context of this mean? What, does, what did the people who lived back then understand what it meant to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength? So we're going to focus on that a little bit for today. So this part of scripture is called the Shema. And what does Shema mean? Well, Shema is um, an ancient Hebrew word. Translates to closest word it translates to is listen. And um, one thing I explained to the students is, is the ancient Hebrew people had a much broader understanding of what listen meant. So today, oh, my mom's over there. For example, my mom might tell me when I was 14 to go do the dishes. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, mom, I'm listening. And then I wouldn't do the dishes. Great. Okay, cool. Um, I am not doing Shema. Because Shema translates listen. What Shema means is to listen and follow through. I saw that nudge. Trey, you better listen. <laughs> um, listen means, sorry, Shema means to not just listen, but to follow through. So this ancient prayer is called the Shema, and it actually, if you were to read it as an English way today, you would read it as, listen and do. Listen and follow through. Listen and step into it. And so, when we're reading through this text, the, why these people read this every morning and every evening is because they wanted to embody what it was. It wasn't just some sort of tradition that you just did because you had to. It was so that they could be reminded to embody what this is, not just to listen to it, but to do. And it was a daily morning and evening reminder so that we could actually participate in this. Not just listen, but to do. And so that's what the Shema means. And actually right here, um, hear, O Israel. That first word, hear, O Israel. Hear, Shema. There it is right there, right at the beginning. 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. So today we're going to talk about what it means to listen and do loving God with your heart. Listen and do loving God with your soul. And listen and do loving God with all your strength. And here's, I'm going to address this right away. One of the first things I learned in Bible college is an old school way of preaching are three-point sermons, and you should never do them. Um, oops. Okay, so... Um, um, Heart. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all of your heart? Okay, well, today is going to be a lot of context. Today is going to be a lot of teaching and a little bit less preaching, but that's just kind of my style. So heart, in an ancient Israelite way of understanding heart, wasn't just, you know, your emotions. So ancient Israelites and actually pretty much everyone around them, 2,000 plus years ago, had an understanding that all of your thinking comes actually from your heart. That's what they thought. Like that was their understanding. They had an understanding of the brain, but their, their full understanding was, oh, our thinking comes from our heart. So heart, and they also knew that your heart sustained your life. That you actually need, they, they knew that if it stopped beating, you wouldn't be alive anymore. And so there's this kind of understanding that your heart, not only was all of your thoughts, but also had a physicalness to it. And that to love the Lord your God with all your heart was to not just protect it, but to make sure that as you step into the things that you're stepping in, that you're doing it with wisdom and you're doing it with thought and pretense, and that you're doing it with God on your side, and that you're doing it not just erratically or, you know, uh, impulsively, but you're stepping in with your heart, which we would probably understand today as our brain. Um, the book of Proverbs actually says wisdom comes from the heart. Well, no, no it doesn't. <laughs> it, it doesn't. <laughs> Wisdom comes from your brain. Um, that's where all the thought process and all the thinking goes and all the science stuff and, you know, like how you, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But even though the, the book of Proverbs says wisdom comes from your heart, um, it really does come from your brain. That's kind of an understanding. So as you're reading, to love your God with all of your heart, it's more than just what we think, you know, like you think you have like a broken heart or something or, you know, you feel like you have like a, your emotions are heavy and stuff. That's all your brain, too. But there's actually so much more than your emotions at play here. It's your entire brain and everything that's thinking, how you, the direction you're going in, the direction you're not going in, all of those kind of things that are being processed through your brain. That is what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart. But then it says to love your God, Lord your God with all of your soul. So there's a Hebrew word for soul. And that Hebrew word is um, <clears throat> nefesh. And here's, you know, I'm going to treat you guys like you're kind of in my youth group. So what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to say nefesh, and I would like everyone to uh, say it out loud as well. So uh, nefesh. Okay. Um, I have two teenagers on sleep patrol today. So what that means is uh, if I'm in youth group and I see a kid falling asleep, I let them know that they're sleeping. 
Evan and Preston aren't going to do that to you. I will. Anyway. <laughs> you, 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 you guys got it? Okay, cool. Nefesh. Wow, okay, great. Okay, one more time. Nefesh. Okay, nefesh. What does nefesh mean? It's the Hebrew word for soul. Think, first of all, what it means to have a soul. Immediately, a whole bunch of ideas of what a soul is will come to your mind. What does it mean to have a soul? What is your soul? What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your soul? And let me tell you, at least from my point of view, you probably are thinking the wrong way, uh, what, what the Bible, sorry, what this translation of soul is, is probably not the correct way of thinking of what a soul is. A lot of us think that your soul is like kind of like a, a ghost in the machine kind of thing, that your body's this machine that keeps going and moving, and then, and then your soul is this ghost within you, and that um, it separates from your body when you die, and then you go to heaven and all that kind of stuff, and that these two things are very separate. And the Israelites at the time did not think that. They did not, ha they did not, that's not what they meant when they meant soul. In fact, a better translation of nefesh is actually Weirdly, throat. Your physical throat. Not, not, not a ghost in the machine. Not some sort of floaty, weird, abstracty thing. But a physical throat. What would it mean to love the Lord your God with all of your throat? Speech, yeah. That's actually good, yes. Um, in fact, this word occurs in the Bible over 700 times, ne ne nefesh, which means throat. Um, Christians actually often borrow ideas sometimes from other religions, and they kind of think that it means different from what we actually think it means. Um, let me go into this here. So, um, an example. When the, when the ancient Israelites were wandering the desert, they would say, so like context here, ancient Israelites were uh, free from slavery. They were ex escaping it and they were wandering the desert for many, many, many years. And they would often miss slavery because at least there they were taken care of. This kind of felt like they were lost. And they would say, these direct, they would say this, we miss the cucumbers and melons we had in Egypt and our nefesh has dried up. Their throat has dried up. Nefesh doesn't just mean throat, but it, it's kind of a more symbolic meaning of something so much more. Because here's the thing. Your throat sustains your entire being. If you need to eat, that passes through your throat. If you need to drink, that passes through your throat. If you need to breathe, every breath you take passes through your throat. If you need to speak, that passes through your throat. If you need to sing, if you need to yell, if you need to talk, all of those things pass through your throat. And also, your throat is one of the most vulnerable places on your entire body. So, this exposed, just touching it, 
you can kind of feel how vulnerable it is. Just one finger pushing in can seriously hurt or end your life. Your throat is incredibly vulnerable. So the Israelites understood the throat as the soul. And that the soul is actually a living, breathing, physical thing. The soul was never anything separated from your body. In fact, um, when it, um, in the Bible, when it, when, when it, whenever someone was um, killed, for example, there, Genesis something, sorry, um, there's a part in the Bible where it says um, that when someone was killed, when someone killed someone, they were a nefesh slayer, which we would translate as soul slayer, which doesn't really make sense. In fact, the ancient Israelites understood that the soul and the body were one, and that how we treated our soul, our throats, what we ate, what we did, mattered. That there was a physicalness to this. And how we treated our physical bodies had a direct correlation with how our relationship to God was. And this is, this is, this is important uh, for them because then when you start to realize that your physical body and how you treat your physical body has a direct tie-in with your soul and who you are, your whole being actually is. There's no separation. You are you. There's no separation. There's not two beings in you. There's not your body and then your soul. There is, you are you. And when you start to understand that, the things that you eat make a difference. The things that you drink make a difference. The things that you talk about make a difference. The amount you sleep makes a difference. The amount you don't eat makes a difference. What you say to your neighbor makes a difference. All of these things show a direct correlation with how we worship God. And so to worship God with our soul has little to do with trying to connect some arbitrary thing inside our body, this ghost in a machine with God, it has so much more than that. It has to do with getting eight hours of sleep. It has to do with um, eating properly. It has to do with drinking properly. Drinking eight glasses of water in a day is a way of worshiping God. Trying to, I mean, I say this because, I say this with a little hesitancy because, well, there's parents in the room, but yeah, sleep, I get if you have young children, having more than five hours of sleep a day is probably probably a pretty useless thing for me to say to you. But you, you get the idea, though, that the things that you do with your body is of utmost importance in our worship with God. And so that's what it means to love the Lord your God with all your soul. It's what you do. It's how much exercise you're getting. It's how much, it's all the things that you do. These are ways of worshiping God. It's, maybe you're having your day too much exercise, too little exercise. Too, you can do everything in excess. You can do anything in whatever the opposite of excess is. Um, words fail me right now. <laughs> uh, but these are important ways of worshiping God with your soul. So then it goes on. 
to worshiping God with all of your strength. So what does it mean to worship? So again, um, surprise, um, strength probably doesn't mean what it means here. Because here we went through heart and it actually means brain and we went through soul and it actually means throat. So what could strength possibly mean? So what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength? Well, what, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your strength? Well, Another Hebrew word for you guys. So we're going we're gonna to have a little bit more engagement here today because I can see some droopy eyes, and I don't want these teenagers to descend on you. So um, we're going to have a little bit of interaction again. So the direct translation for strength in this scripture is the Hebrew word me-od. It's M-E apostrophe O-D, me-od. So here, we're going we're gonna to participate again. Can everyone say me-od? Okay, that was that was fine. Um, one one more time, Mio's. Okay, there was some yelling. Wow, thank you. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Um, great. So what Mio'd means doesn't actually mean physical strength. Again, surprise. Um, in fact, the Shema is actually one of the only places in the Bible where Mio'd is translated to strength. And I can kind of, I'll explain to you why. So what meod actually means is it's, um, it actually means very or, or much. So, for example, if I like something a lot, I like something, or sorry, I, I uh, if I am happy, if I, I can say I'm happy, right? Or I could say I'm very happy. What that really would mean is I am meod happy. So I am very happy. In fact, there are parts in, in the Bible where meod is used back to back. So it's like I am meod, meod happy. So it would be me like saying I am very, very happy. It is used to take a word and make it bigger than it already is. There's um, an English literary word of doing that. It's like adverb or ad something. I don't know. Anyway, whatever it is, that's what... Uh, what, what this is. So I didn't take an English class in my degree, so here we are. Um, but that's what meod means. It's actually, some, it, it intensifies something. It takes something and makes it larger. And so what actually means to love God with all of your meod or all of your strength is to actually take your everything that you are and make it bigger and to stretch it out very Lot, all of your much means. Does that make sense? To love the God, Lord your God, with all of your veriness, all of your muchness, all of who you are. It kind of what it serves the purpose of is it says, okay, yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, which is your brain, and all of your, your, your soul, which is your throat. But then if there's anything else that's forgotten, it's all encompassed in here because guess what? You're loving the Lord your God with every part of your being, all of your muchness, all of your veriness, everything that is you. And that's what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your strength. And you can see why it's translated as strength, because it kind of is like, a, like it, it, it's making you bigger, making you larger, making you strong, and making you realize that your relationship with God actually just grows. So to love the Lord your God with all of your strength would be to love 
the Lord your God with all of your meat or all of your livestock. And that is kind of what we've been focusing on for youth over the last few weeks. And we've been understanding what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. So that means that, yes, all of your heart, all of your affirmations, all of who you are, all of your soul, every, your physicalness, everything that you are, what you do matters, what you say to someone else matters, what you drink matters, how much you sleep matters, how you treat people matters, all of these things matter. And then if anything else is forgotten, it's found in the strength section. To love the Lord your God with all your strength means to love the Lord your God with all of it. And that is what um, we've been studying. So, I'm going to have you guys stand. I'm going to give you guys the benediction, and I'm going to pray for you guys. One thing that um, I've been questioning as I've been reading and understanding and learning what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength is, um, what do I do next? Like, how do I do that more? And I think it can become quite simple. I think you can just ask yourself, where in these areas can I take one step further? You don't have to do it all at once. You can just kind of take, maybe, maybe, maybe I need to put my phone away. And maybe I need to sleep that extra half hour. That's just one quick, easy step. Maybe, maybe you're not eating enough. Whatever that way, way that looks like. Maybe you're not drinking enough water. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, uh, your, uh, the, the drinks that are going into your system is just caffeine and you're kind of becoming erratic and you're treating people like you're a little bit more tense and that's because you're drinking nothing but coffee and you think that there's water in coffee but it actually dehydrates you and it's just crazy. And I just <laughs> Maybe it's taking a, drinking an extra cup of water in the day. Who, who knows, whatever that looks like for you. So I'm going to pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I just pray that this is set on our hearts in the mornings and the evenings, just like the ancient Israelites did, and just like the Jewish people today are still doing, Lord. I just pray that we love you with all of our heart and with all of our soul and all of our strength and every step we take, that we remember to do this. Because you, Lord, put us here and created us, and you give us peace. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace as we learn to step into the Shema together. We love you, God. Amen. Thanks, guys.